All right, good morning everybody. It's good to see you all today. If you'd open up your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be near the end of the chapter. We're going to pick up at verse 21 and I'll read through verse 24. As you're turning there, I'll remind everybody that our uh, evening service, evening activities are tonight at 6 o'clock and in that will be our children's uh, program, Christmas program, and also we're going to be doing some singing together as a church and a reading of scripture, so please come out for that. It'd be great to have everybody here to participate in that uh, evening service. So if you're upset or bummed this morning that we didn't sing your favorite Christmas hymn, it's a good chance it might be sang tonight, so uh, come on out for that. And we are having service next Sunday at 11 a.m. We're moving our service time back from 9.30 to 11 a.m. to give everybody else a little more flexibility there in the morning, taking care of the things that we do on Christmas morning. And uh, the service won't last over an hour. We know that folks have places to be, family that you want to go and spend time with. A lot of you do. So uh, we'll go from 11 to no later than 12 next week. And we encourage everybody to come out for that. Try to rearrange your schedule if you can to be here to take part in that hour activity. Know that some folks may be uh, traveling. And there may also be some, as I've said before, transplants here in Huntsville that don't have family to spend Christmas with here. And I really encourage all of you to be reaching out to one another. If that is you, then reach out to other uh, families who do not have uh, family here, um, biological family here. We have spiritual family if we are in Christ Jesus, and Jesus put that in priority even over his physical family. But... um, Let's just keep that in mind, reach out to one another as best you can in regards to that. But Ephesians chapter 6, saying that to spend time together, you know, next on Christmas Day. But Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 21 through 24, um, the Bible reads like this in verse 21, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother, and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity." morning I want to share with you a message after I prayed entitled an example of meaningful and lasting Christian relationship let's pray together oh God I come to you today adoring you for the great God that you are Father. you are our great God and Savior and father we are so blessed to be able to know you through Jesus Christ your son I thank you, Father, for the the gift of salvation and the things that we are able to participate in uh, in Christ. The angels long to look into it. They, they cannot comprehend it because they haven't experienced this salvation. Redemption. Those who were once enemies of God are now friends of God. Those who were once in rebellion against God are now children of God. Lord, those who were once in darkness are now in light. 
those who were once under the kingdom in the kingdom of Satan are now a part of the kingdom of your dear son. Lord, those of us who were once unforgiven, we are forgiven in Christ. Lord, thank you for that. Father, I, I confess, as a brethren did earlier today in the service, but Lord, I confess our sins as a people. We have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We continue to do so. And Lord, we need your forgiveness. We agree with you today, God, that we need Christ. We need his uh, cleansing blood in our lives continually. And I thank you, Father, that you've promised us that in him. I give you thanks, Father, for the church and for the fellowship we have in Christ. I give you thanks for the families who are here. And I give you thanks, Father, for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this congregation. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work. Father, I make supplication to you today on behalf of those who may be sick, who, Lord, may be fatigued. Lord, those who may have marriage troubles or problems, struggles with children. Lord, or perhaps financial troubles or job troubles or relationships in other ways. God, for those who are spiritually um, disquieted within themselves. Father, I pray for our people. And I pray, God, that the peace of God would abide upon us, would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because we are casting our cares upon you. So, Lord, I make this prayer today to you. And, Lord, we adore you, we confess, we thank you, and we need you. And I pray now that you will help me as I seek to deliver your word. And I pray you will help us as we seek to hear it, that it would benefit us spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. So today as we come to this final passage in the uh, book of Ephesians, we've been working through this book together. If you've been uh, joining us for a while, you are aware of that. And we come here uh, to the end of the book. And I do wonder if we should spend more time on spiritual warfare. That's one of those things that we could certainly delve into more. But I believe the Lord would have us to move on and go ahead and look at this. And if spiritual warfare is something we need to go back and revisit at a later date, we certainly can do that. Uh, But Paul here comes to the end of this book. And many times it is when we come to the end of a letter, one of his writings, we will um, quickly read over those last few verses, thinking that there probably is really not that much there to draw any truth from or application from. And our Whenever I come to these passages, I refuse to believe that. Um, I refuse to believe that in these passages at the end of his letters that there is not a great deal that the Holy Spirit would have us to learn from it. And I believe that we can see some things today. The title of this message is An Example of Meaningful and Lasting Christian Relationship. Isn't that really what a lot of us want in our lives is meaningful relationships? Many people come to... Uh, have come to this church, uh, go to uh, other churches and things like that because they want connection. They want relationships that make a difference in their lives. And rightfully so. In Christ Jesus, we should have that. Something's wrong if we don't have that. 
And because that's what we are, as we're going to see in the church as the family of God. So I really want to share with you today four sort of principles for um, meaningful and lasting Christian relationships. And let's kind of work through these. The first one is this. If we're going to have these types of relationships that matter, that really are genuine and true, then we we have to communicate uh, our status, or as Paul did the first point, communicate your status. All right. So Paul, when he was writing to the Ephesians, he uh, ended this letter by telling them that this guy named Tychicus is going to tell them some things. Everything that he's talking about here is not recorded in the letter, but it's actually going to come by word of mouth from Tychicus, a messenger sent by Paul to the Ephesians. And he's the one who would deliver the letter to them. Let's see it again there in verse 21. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. So in other words, he wanted the Ephesians to know what he's been doing and how he has been doing. That's what the uh, word affairs means there. Paul wants them to know what he has been up to. I thought this was a pretty clever first point when I first thought of it, communicate your status. But then I began to think about Facebook and Instagram, and I thought, well, people do this all the time. It's not that big of a deal. They give their genuine selves right there on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So really, should I just take this point completely out of my sermon? Because everybody's real on Facebook. It is the way it is. No, that, that's not the truth all the, all the time, is it? Um. We have to communicate what we're doing. Well, Paul did it, so let's just, let's just ask ourselves the question. Should we follow his example or not? He wanted, to, he wanted them to know what he's been doing and how he has been doing. Perhaps when he, he's communicating how he's been doing, uh, Tychicus would tell how Paul was doing personally, how he was doing physically, how he was doing spiritually, how he's doing emotionally, relationally and all those things. He's the one who would bring this. It wouldn't be by snail mail, it wouldn't be by email, and it wouldn't be by text message, but it was by the human being, Tychicus, who would deliver this. Now, if you turn over to Colossians chapter 4, I want to show you something very quickly. And this is uh, what I um, first realized, you know, that this was a thing way back in the day when I spent some time in the book of Colossians. And I noticed here that Tychicus, his name is mentioned, and he had the same purpose when the letter arrived for the Colossians. In verse 7 of chapter 4 in Colossians, it says, uh, Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your... that." he may know your circumstances and comfort your heart. So Tychicus would find out about the Colossians, bring that news back to Paul, but he would also be going there to comfort their hearts by sharing with them the things about Paul. And let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And then we're going to go from there, um, quite frankly, because as we think about the the life of Paul and what was going on with him right now, we can actually turn in the Bible and find out how he was and what he was doing. The Bible gives us some indi- some indication about that. So go ahead from Ephesians 6, and if you would just launch back to Acts chapter 28. 
Let's take a, a quick look and see what's going on with the Apostle Paul. Because when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, he was in prison. Therefore, it is called one of the pre- prison epistles, one of a few that he wrote. Uh, it would be Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians were all written while he was in Rome in prison. The time of his writing would have been around 60-61 A.D. Here at the end of the book of Acts, it ends kind of abruptly with no uh, particular ending or closing to it because the book of Acts is really still open. It's still happening today as the Holy Spirit continues to work through His people. But we can pick up there at verse 28 and get a flow for it. It says, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. That's because the Jews had rejected it. Verse 29, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then, in verse 30, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Remember last week how he asked the church in Ephesus to pray for him that utterance would be given to him and that he would speak boldly? Here Luke tells us that while he's in that Roman imprisonment where he had asked for that prayer, that he spoke about the things of the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. And then we suspect that when he had opportunity to stand before Caesar, that he did the same. So, here's what Paul was doing. He was in this house, he was receiving everybody who came, whether it be Jew or Gentile, and he was preaching and teaching the word of God to them. We learned that about them. We also would know that it was during this time that a, a man named Onesimus would have been saved, would have been converted. Y'all know who Onesimus was? It was the slave who ran away from Philemon. And it's the reason that Paul wrote to Philemon about Onesimus. Now let's turn to another place and find out about what's going on with Paul. If you would turn with me in the book of Philippians. Philippians, you got Ephesians and then Philippians right after that. But in the book of Philippians, we learn about Paul. In the first chapter, there's a great emphasis on the gospel. He's emphasizing here uh, several phrases with you, uh, having to do with the gospel, fellowship in the gospel, defense and confirmation of the gospel in verse 7. Verse 12, the furtherance of the gospel. And then in verse 17, defense of the gospel. And then they are to strive together for the faith of the gospel and to walk worthy of the gospel. But here in verse 12 it says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, we're in Philippians 1.12, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. And then... 
he asked for their prayers after that. But Paul there in prison is saying, hey, this is all turning out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he is there in the palace guard, and they are hearing the gospel. And then at the end of the letter, if you'll look at chapter 4, verse 22. This is just kind of hidden away, but again at the end of one of the letters. But it's a little jewel to be, uh, to be obtained. Philippians 4.21 Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Did you catch that? There are saints in Caesar's household. There are believers who have come to faith in Christ Right there in Caesar's own household. How did that happen? Maybe it was because of the church in Rome. And they were being faithful with the gospel. And the way they were living out their lives. Or maybe it was because Paul was right there preaching the gospel to the palace guard. And like a throwing a pebble in the water. The ripple effect from that. That even Caesar's household had saints, believers within it. So Paul's... What was he doing and how was he doing? Well, what he was doing was preaching the gospel of Christ at every opportunity that he had in his own rented house. So I'm sure Tychicus would have told them something about that. And we see in this also that he could tell them how he was doing. That even though there were those who were preaching the gospel out of wrong motivations, Paul didn't care. He was doing fine because the gospel of Christ was being preached and the gospel was continuing to be furthered. Now... Paul isn't here having in mind anything about, oh, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. Now, Jesus certainly said that in Matthew chapter 6, but that was in regard to doing your charitable deeds. Don't do a charitable deed to be seen by men. Sometimes it seems like we can hold things in and keep things back in order to not let our right hand know what our left hand does. But Jesus is calling us, the Word of God is calling us to be a people who communicate our status, who tell others how we are doing and what we are doing for the Lord Jesus. Are you willing to let brothers and sisters in Christ know what and how you are doing? Now, if you've ever talked to Kevin Cannon in a conversation, Kevin, you knew this was coming, brother. You know, Kevin, Kevin, I ask you, so how are you doing? And you can say, well, I'm doing fine. And then Kevin will say, oh, well, um, what does fine look like? What does, what does... What does, what does being fine in the life of Eric Swinney look like? As opposed to not being fine. And then you have to go through all these things to try to convince Kevin that you're actually doing fine. Alright? So, uh, you, you know, he won't, he won't let you slide. But those things are good. And I want to ask you, are you willing to let others know, really? Are you a closed book or are you an open book? Do you want to isolate yourself? The Bible says in Proverbs 18.1, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And he rages against all wise judgment. We are not a people who isolate ourselves and keep to ourselves. We are people who live together in community. And we must exhort one another daily, lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, the Bible says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, 
how we are living out our lives can be communicated to others in such a way to encourage them. And I've been encouraged so often throughout the years by the testimony of faithfulness in your life that spurred me on to faithfulness in my life. And I thank you for that. And I want us to not diminish that. We need to communicate our status. What should we be as a church? We should be a people who are communicating how and what is going on in our lives. Number two is this. Concern yourself with others. In verse 22, concern yourself with others. As you look at that at the end of the verse, he says, whom I've sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. In other words, encourage them. Paul concerned himself with others. He was concerned about their interests. He was concerned about their hearts. Because we see that there. He wanted Tychicus to go and share with them what and how he was doing so that their hearts could be comforted. He didn't want them sitting there worrying and being anxious and concerned about the Apostle Paul. It's like a, you know, it's like a, a college student when they leave uh, the house and they go off to college. One of the things that they're often told, a piece of advice is, call your mom. You know, you don't want your mom sitting at home worrying about what's going on or text your mom. Communicate with your mom because you know that your mom loves you and cares about you. So you need to be letting her know what's going on. I don't know why they don't say call your dad or text your dad, but it's it's always your mom. But that's the deal here. The church was a church that loved Paul and they... They wanted to know what was happening to him. We saw that this happened in the book of Colossians. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we're to look out not for our own interest, but also for the interest of others. We know that Paul had a great burden for the church because in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, he had a deep concern for all the churches on top of all the other stuff that was uh, on his mind. But why was this church so dear to him? Why were they, why was he so dear to them? If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Let's take a peek real quick at this chapter. Now I hope when I say Acts chapter 20, that in your mind you're like, bam, I know, I know what this chapter is about. Alright? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for how many of you know that. But Acts chapter 20, that's one of those chapters that needs to come into your mind. And you need, to, you need to know what's there. Because in Acts 20, Paul here has the elders from Ephesus come to Miletus. And there he, um, he speaks to them. He preaches to them. And it's one of those great sermons in the book of Acts. That's why we need to know it. Along because of some of the content uh, that is found there. So Paul here um, begins in verse 17, really, um, probably verse 18, and he begins to speak to these uh, elders. You see in verse 17 that it's, uh, he was sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Everything okay back there, guys? Teresa, you Okay. Might might want to move in one more chair there if you need to.
Thank y'all. All right, so here in Acts 20, you see uh, at the end of it, let's just go ahead and look at the end of it. Because Paul goes through this sermon in verse 37, it says, um, uh, 36, 36, it says, when, they, when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that he, they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. So here we find that they are sorrowing and weeping because Paul said that he would not, that they would not see his face anymore. But what were some of the things that made this relationship so powerful? We see it in verse 20. Going back to chapter 20, verse 20. He says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And seeing now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, verse 25, Now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And then in verse 28, he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Verse 33, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul lays out there his history with them, and it was one that was impactful. I want to ask you a question or two. Do you concern yourself with others in the church? Do we concern ourselves with all the saints, or does the world revolve around us? John tells us that we are not to love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
And so the apostle did, and it endeared this church to him. So much so that he was concerned with them and wanted to make them, wanted them to know that he was okay. Now let's go to point number three. Let's conclude that others care. You see, Paul came to this conclusion here from this chap from our reading here in Ephesians six that apparently the church really did care about him. He sent to it is said there that he I have sent to you for this very purpose to comfort their hearts by informing them about what and how he is doing. Folks, it's a terrible thing to think that others do not care about us. You notice there that he says, our affairs. So not only was Paul letting them know about himself through Tychicus, but he was also letting him know, letting them know about his traveling companions. Maybe it was Luke, Epaphras, Timothy, Tychicus himself was um, letting them be known, Onesimus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, Jesus, or Justice. Maybe it was some of these that would be, they would be informed about. But they were to, he was to share about the affairs of them all. We get missionary reports sometimes. You know, missionary reports from those who are overseas. Do you read them? Do you, do you care about what's going on with our missionaries when you have those? The missionaries in some way conclude that we care. That's why they send it out to begin with. Paul knew that they cared because of their history with one another that I just read to you. Let me ask you a question. What sort of impression do you give to your brethren here at NLBC? Do you give them reason to conclude that you care? Frankly, folks, sometimes our greetings around here can be pretty cold toward one another. Especially the guys and the youth. Guys and the youth. The men and the youth. Think about it. You ask some of the men when they come in here on Sunday mornings, Hey, how you doing? Hey, brother. Go and sit down. What am I to conclude from that? Half the church is mad at me this Sunday morning for some reason. (laughs) Ask some of the youth, hey, how's it going? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I hope that other people experience this and it's not just me. (laughs) But what can we do? We can tell ourselves it's just me. And we can conclude... That people don't care. Let me ask you this. Do you approach people with agendas and for information gathering? Or do you approach people to develop meaningful relationships with them? We can go through times in our lives where there are certain people that we only go and talk to them to get what we want to get. And we only go and talk to them to get the info that we need. And once we've obtained it, we're gone on to somebody else that we want to talk to more or to accomplish our task. 
Now, I'm not saying there aren't times when that needs to happen. But it's good if we all would evaluate our lives and think about the people that that's the only reason we go and talk to them. We, we have a relatively small church. Folks, we need to be a church that we don't just know a small group of people. We need to be knowing everyone in the congregation. If you come in and it's your natural tendency to just come in and sit down and not talk to anybody, I would encourage you to change your habits. Instead of coming in and just sitting down and not talking to anyone, actually be the person who gets up and goes and talks to others. If you don't know who somebody is, introduce yourself. That might be the brother or sister in Christ that you need right now. And that's the relationship that needs to be developed. Conclude that that person that you're going to talk to cares. And that they want to know who you are. Let's go toward one another instead of being comfortable by sitting in our places where we would typically do that. Really. And I would even say this to our young people. To our youth. Go and talk to others. Adults, go and talk to them. Adults, you go and talk to youth. Let's reach out to one another. Because those relationships are very valuable. And we should conclude that people care about us. Not everyone here is going to be our best buddy. Certainly, Jesus had three or four disciples that he invested in more than the other, the other uh, nine, eight or nine. But Jesus had twelve that he was very close to. And certainly Jesus had more than that that he had close relationships with. Let us be people who conclude that others care. Let our love be without hypocrisy. In 1 John 3.16, the Bible says, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And we who name the name of Christ here in this fellowship should know and believe that others care about us. Therefore, we ought to reach out to them. And now, let's go to our last point. In the next few minutes, we'll look at this. Center relationship in Christ. We've seen four things today. We're uh, Communicate your status. Concern yourself with others, conclude that others care, and then center relationship in Christ. Now, we'll see this in two ways. First of all, it's with Tychicus. There in verse 21. It says, But you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you. So who do you hang out with? Who do you surround yourself with? Paul had some solid brothers that he surrounded himself with. And there were some solid women as well in the minist- who were faithful ministers of Christ Jesus in the church that he recognizes in Romans chapter 16. And there were many people who were an encouragement and strengthened the Apostle Paul. Tychicus here was a beloved brother. This shows the affection that Paul had for him. I want you to think about your own life, men. When... Um, when others in the church think about you, do they think about you as a beloved brother in Christ? And secondly, we see that he is a faithful minister. The word for minister here is the word diakonos, the word that we get deacon from. doesn't necessarily mean that he was a deacon, but he was a minister. He was a faithful servant of the Lord. And this is an affirmation from Paul. When others think about you in the church, is there any chance at all that when they think about you, they think, oh man, he's a faithful minister of Christ Jesus. 
Paul added to this in Colossians 4 about Tychicus that he was a fellow servant. You see, his name is mentioned five times in the New Testament. And it's all pretty good stuff about this man. What would the Bible say about us if our names were included only a few times? Would the Bible say these types of things about us? In 2 Timothy 4 verse 12, it says about Tychicus, Paul says, I have sent to Ephesus. And Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. He was a man that Paul could trust, and he sent him to various places. Titus 3.12, Colossians 4.7, Acts 20 verse 4. Tychicus was from Asia. Alright, so we see it with Tychicus, but we also see this. We see it with his example of hope for other believers. At the end there in verses 23 and 24. He says, peace to the brethren. And love with faith. He doesn't say, good luck. Hope it all works out good for you. No, he says, peace to the brethren. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're all brethren in the same family with the same Father and the same Lord. And he says to them, peace and love with faith. And then finally, In verse 24, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus in sincerity. In sincerity means genuineness. Um, In in incorruptibility, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus. So when when you're talking to people, when you're leaving one another, when we depart... How often do we wish peace from God the Father to one another? You know, I got to thinking about this. I was kind of convicted about it. Because uh, at, at one point, and I had to change my ways. You know, Abigail start, started college at UNA. And she was leaving a lot, you know, and things like that. And goes to college and stuff. And even before that, when she would leave to go to work, you know, I'd say what I was always told growing up. Be careful. Be careful. And the Lord kind of convicted me is like what what are you doing you need to you need to not put your hope in whether she's careful or not you need to put your hope in God and i began to say may the grace of the lord jesus christ be with you or something to those line, to that effect and brothers and sisters in christ our relationships must be centered in christ and it's evidenced with the words that we say sometimes Are we trusting in the goodness of the other person? Or are we trusting in a good God who blesses His people? Peace, love with faith, grace from our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Today, I hope as we conclude here, that we will see that the reason Paul, a Jew, could write to Gentiles and Greeks like he was writing to, was because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And at the beginning of this letter, he said to them in verse 13 of chapter 1, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see, 
Church, the reason why we can have relationships, though we have different backgrounds, the reason we can have this familial relationship with God the Father is because the Son of God came and gave His life for our sins. He bore them on the cross. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, if you're male or female. Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And God, through Christ, is calling us to be reconciled to Him. He is pleading with us, through Christ, to be reconciled to God the Father. And today you can be. If you're outside of Christ and you do not have this relationship, you can be reconciled to the Father if you will believe in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, obeying Him according to what the Scripture has said. Obey the Gospel. But church, if you're in Christ already, remember how important this relationship is that we have. And as we grow, communicate your status. Concern yourself with others. I read a quote a while back. It just came to mind. But it says something like this. To view events and people and circumstances um, in light of their effect on ourselves or myself is to live on the threshold of hell. So to live a life that is completely self-consumed is no life to live at all. God is calling us to live a life for others. So concern yourself with others. Conclude that others care and center relationship in Christ. Father, I thank You for Your Word, and I would ask You, God, to grant us mercy, O God, that we might allow the Gospel to change relationships and to grow us. I thank You, Father, that we, I see and we see a lot of these things, these traits already, in a very good way. But we've not arrived. We, we do not think that we have. And I pray, Father, that from the lesson of the Apostle Paul, from the example that he sets, that I I and all of us would learn how to develop meaningful and lasting relationships in Christ. And I pray, Father, for anybody here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who hasn't repented toward God and had faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask You to grant them grace, Lord, that they may be able today to believe and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.